I'm a Floridian. This, this weather's different here. This is, this is a change for me. I flew in from Orlando and came to y'all's beautiful state here, and it's, it's different. I, the first thing I noticed was I didn't see a lot of grass. That's different for me because in Florida, we got grass, and we water our grass. We use the water for the grass, but over here, it's a whole nother, Charles was telling me, it's a whole nother ball game here, and, but in the weather, when I got here, I felt like I, I got I stepped into an oven. And it was different. That was different, too, because we got the ocean breeze, you know what I mean? Am I making y'all a little jealous now, a little jelly? But um, Charles told me this morning when we were coming out of his house, he said, if you don't preach good today, I won't give you a ride back to the airport, and you got to find a hotel. So I've got to preach really good for you guys. I want to tell um, Pastor Bob, thank you, and Miss Carolyn, of course, for allowing me to be here. Um, one thing I've got to know about your pastors, and especially I got to talk with Pastor Bob, is that they're real. You got you a real pastor. Real pastors own their stuff, man. Are you with me right now? And, um, and one thing I can say about Pastor Bob, he's very acutely aware of his soul. And that means uh, you, God has a man he can work with. And that's what I love about him. And uh, the fact that they're taking some time off, focus on marriage is beautiful. You, you, this should make you love him even more, right? Amen. Because I need somebody around me that's not too perfect. You know, you know, I've been on some stages, you know, some stages in my life where there's, uh, you know, I wasn't the speaker, but I was sitting on the stage with a lot of people. And the worst ones I, I felt like I had a hard time with was the fake ones. And I like the real ones. Amen. Don't you like the real ones? So today, that's exactly what I'm going to be talking about. We're going to talk about this topic right now, uh, my dysfunctional family. <laughs> Anybody got one? <laughs> And I am an evangelist, but every once in a while the pastor comes back in me and I just felt like I got a word from God on this. Usually it's the one that you struggled the most, that you're studying it and you're like struggling with it. That's the one you really need to teach because I, I just kept looking over this message and said, this is the one I'm bringing. My dysfunctional family and I have one. I've been in the ministry 32 years. Been, been married coming up on 27 years. I told my wife the other day, I finally got her trained. And she says, say what? I said, I was just playing, just playing, calm down. And <laughs> been married almost 27 years. Did most of my ministry and youth ministry. I pastored over 600 young people. And uh, that's why I'll be 50 this year. And somebody said, man, you look so young. It's because I poured into young people. And the harvest of young people is youth. Amen? So you should work with young people. And, le and well, I mean, I guess I, I guess I probably do look 50, but um, I'm happy about it. 50 years old, man. How many 50 plus we got up in here? I love you guys. I love you guys. I don't know what age you get when you get a free coat, but I'm, I'm, I'm working toward it. So, yes, yeah, senior discount. <laughs> Let's get in the message before I get sideways, and Charles won't let me stay there tonight. No family, no church is perfect. Everybody say it out loud. No family, 
No church is perfect. Let's say it together. No family, no church is perfect. Because every family and every church is made up of imperfect people. So I got a definition for the word dysfunctional. The word dysfunction means not operating normally or properly, something that is flawed and doesn't operate correctly, or someone that deviates from normal. Now, Kevin Wright's family right here. I honestly found myself like, I, I, I don't know what's harder. I know what's harder. Raising kids or when they get adults and you can do nothing about whatever they're doing. That's the hardest part. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I have a 21-year-old. And I, my wife actually said, can't we just have a normal family? How many people have ever said that? Raise your hand. Be honest. Don't look at me like you're so holy. Raise your hand. I want to see your hand. You said it. This is about the whole church. How many people have just thought about it? Okay, that's the rest of you. Okay. I would say the, the, the past three years were the dip, most difficult years of my entire life. And the reason why I came here, flew four hours to get here to speak a word to you is because I've probably been where your pastor's been. As a matter of fact, I know I have. I've been in a place of we pastored through COVID and he's got more years on me in ministry. But I'll tell you this, that after a certain amount of time on pastors, especially pastors that don't do sabbatical, it just, we burn out. And the, la the last three years, my dad died during COVID. We sold our church building. My daughter moves out with a boyfriend, a toxic relationship, showed up at my house at three in the morning. We showed up down the street because I grabbed her phone and said, if you show up in my house, you won't leave my driveway. Hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. Amen. That's what I said. Dysfunctional family. And I had to, I did a lot of repenting over the last three years, changing, looking in my soul, getting counseling, you know, just two years before uh, we left the ministry, my nieces died in a car accident, a drunk driver killed them. And my life was just broken. All these years in the ministry, my church was not growing it, you know, COVID just kind of just wiped everything out, wiped the finances out and rethinking everything. My daughter getting sideways and just would have never just thought that uh, I would have been in the position I would have been in and not living the life I dreamed of. How many people ever been there? How many people are there? <laughs> this is real world stuff, man. This is real life. And I navigated through it. I got counseling and I started working on my own family and pastoring myself. I remember my, my, my uh, pastors, Pastor Eric and Darlene, they're my pastors at Shoreline Church in Destin, Florida. They said, well, do you still want to pastor? I said, I just want to pastor me. I'm at a place right now. I just want to pastor myself. I just want to get back to church where I don't have to preach, I, don't, I can slip through the back door and no responsibility just pour into me for a while. I love sabbaticals. And I think every church ought to pay for the sabbatical 
Pay the vacation for the pastor so they can focus all on themselves. Come on, are y'all with me right now? Because one thing I didn't know is uh, when I got to Destin, I was going there to do beach evangelism. And when I got there, my pastor said, hey, we're gonna, we got some uh, counseling for you while you're here. I said, praise God, I'll counsel. I said, no, 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 you're getting the, you're gonna get counseled. You're getting the counseling. I'm getting the counseling? Have you, I mean, have you ever felt like, I don't need any counseling? You know? And then when we started getting counseling, I realized, man, I am a mess. I have been a mess for a long time. Anybody else been in a mess? Anybody got any families in here? And I started worrying. He said, hey, you know, he said that, you know, you, you're struggling with com compassion fatigue. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I've never even heard of compassion fatigue. You know, and it's probably from all the funerals I've done since I was, you know, 19 in the ministry. I've been doing funerals. Pastors have been called on to do so many things over the years. You know, when I was youth pastor, I was dealing with teenagers that have been raped and kids that saw their parents kill themselves in front of them. And, and you just hear and you walk families through this and your pastor walks families through trauma situations. You just don't know how much hangs around on you too. Until you talk this stuff out and you get real and say, hey, I, I need some help. You know, y'all remember back in the day in the sitcoms, because I saw a lot of you raised your hand that you're over 50. How many people remember the Brady Bunch family? Come on, y'all remember the Brady Bunch family? And we're going to read some scripture here in a minute, I promise you. I just got to get your heart open, then we'll go in for surgery. How many people remember the Huxtables? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, a very controlled chaos. You know, Brady Bunch family was the blended family. Beverly Hillbillies, come on now. We are, they're rough around the edges, kind of like my family, but they make it work. They were very rough on, around the edges, not the smartest family, but somehow they made it work. And then we remember, I didn't watch as much, but the Simpson family, happy, dysfunctional family, the one that your parents made the kids constantly turn it off. And then you had the Bundys. How many people remember Bundys? Which... You know, I, I did find out that the dad was a jiu-jitsu guy. I didn't know that. I'm almost a brown belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu. But I hear he's a black belt in jiu-jitsu. I didn't know that. I wish he would have showed more discipline in his family because his kids could do whatever they want. Y'all remember that? So family can mean a variety of things. Blended families, foster families. I've had three last names. Three last names adopted three times. Foster families, step families, single parent household, and all kinds of families. We are all part of some kind of family. All families, because you are a family and you come to church, can bring great pain and break, can bring great joy. Your greatest pain will come from your family. Your greatest joys will come from your family. I cried tears last night over something going on in my family. We're talking about real things happening, right? Where I had to just give it to the Lord. I give this to you, Father. 
All families, even churches, have the ability to bring great joy and great pain. Nobody will cut you deeper than a Christian. Mm. Come on now. Am I at the right church today? Nobody cut you deeper than a Christian. In the name of the Lord. Stab you in the back. Boom. Nobody cuts you more than Christians. And I promise you as a pastor, I've been hurt. The deepest wounds have come within inside the church walls. The deepest wounds. I mean, to the point where I was like, I ain't going back to church anymore. And my wife says, well, you're the pastor. I ain't going. And then people would leave and I'd go, you know what the only problem is here? Is I can't go with them. I can't go with them. They gone. They done took the money and they gone and they gonna punish me and I can't go with them. Can we get real today? Imperfect families that come to church make up a church imperfect. The only thing beautiful about the imperfect church, of course, is that that we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We know this revelation. That's the reason why we're able to come and we don't have to get it right to come to church. Aren't you glad you don't have to get it right? Aren't you glad for grace? Aren't you glad for mercy? You know, you don't throw your kids away when they struggle. They're your kids. I got a wild one. When I say I reaped what I said, my nickname back in the day was K Wild. And Faith is like five of me, my daughter Faith. She's like five of me. Most of my gray hairs have come from her this year. (laughs) I promise y'all, I'm going to get to some scripture. I'm going to tell y'all some biblical families that maybe we looked up to in the Bible. The first family, I I don't know. We may need to talk to them when we first get there. I'm going to give you some scriptural families, dysfunctional families. The first family, Adam and Eve. Wife tricks her her hubby Adam into disobeying God. Then things got really bad when one of their boys, Cain, killed Abel over an offering. Somebody say, dysfunctional. Is that normal? I mean, that stuff stuff back in the day you would hear on Jerry Springer, you know what I'm saying? This is bad. Are that is your church ready for me? Okay. Because I hadn't even got started. Y'all, we worship for an hour and now we ought to get word for a couple hours too. By the way, worship was on point. Jesus all the way. It reminded, reminded me of my friend's church in Orlando, Michael Kilianos. And um Man, worship, the worship. I love y'all's worship, by the way, because it felt like it wasn't ever going to stop. And I like that. That's the way heaven's going to be. All right, then you got Noah's family. Noah got saved, saved his family from the flood. And then he got, after cruising around the world with all these animals, he got naked and he got drunk. Y'all remember the story? How many people remember the story? I'm not making this up. God just used him to get on a boat and with all these animals and next thing you know, he gets naked and plastered. 
making this up. I kind of wanted to make y'all's church feel real normal today. And, you know, um, he didn't appreciate the fact that one of his boys, Ham, mocked him for his naked, drunk condition. So Noah curses his son, and there is no record of Ham being at the next Thanksgiving dinner. They may have never even restored. He cursed his son. Then you got Isaac's family. Y'all remember Isaac? Jacob, one of Isaac's twin boys, swindled Esau. Y'all know this story. The other twin out of the birthright by lying to dad with the help of his mother, Rebecca. She needed some help. She needed counseling. Esau, understandably, then wanted to kill his brother, Jacob. So Jacob ran away to live with his crazy uncle, Laban who tricked him into marrying his less than gorgeous daughter, Leah. Then as a good gesture, Laban threw in his hot daughter, Rachel, to smooth things over. That is the truth. How many people know that's dysfunctional family? See, sooner or later, you're gonna walk out feeling like a, like a saint after I get done with you. You're going to walk out going, man, I thought we had it bad. Shoot. That pastor up there, he's really messed up. Wanting to beat up people and stuff. Abram, Abraham and Sarah. Such godly people. Hallelujah. Abraham and Sarah had promised that he would be a father of many nations. And his, it would be, his, his descendants would be numerous as stars. Abraham slept. Couldn't have a baby with Sarah, so Abraham slept with Hagar, and they had Ishmael. Dysfunctional. Every time I do this, just say dysfunctional. That ain't right. But then finally, Sarah and Abraham became pregnant and had Isaac. Then Hagar and Ishmael was forced out of the family. You're not a part of this family no more. Then you got Joseph, whose brothers pushed him into a pit to die because he was dreaming too much. <laughs> then you got King David's family. King David had a fling with his next door neighbor, got her pregnant. He saw Bathsheba. I mean, why was her name Bathsheba? He sees her taking a bath and he looks at her and sends for her, come to me. And gets her pregnant, and to cover up the pregnancy, she has her husband sent off to the front line to have him killed, and he dies on the front line of battle. And then the baby dies. Man, Solomon's family. Whoa, you want to talk about this? The smartest guy in the world had a palace full of wives. I'm going to let that sit in for a while. Somebody say. <laughs> I'm going to read it again. Smartest guy in the world had a palace full of. <laughs> hey, I'm going to tell you right now, just one is good. One is good. But when you got a palace full of it, you got some dysfunction. And let's talk about Mary and Joseph. Jesus' parents, y'all got real quiet on this one. Jesus' parents, Mary and Joseph, left their son behind on a road trip to Jerusalem. 
they somehow miss the fact that they've lost the Son of God. <laughs> Who loses the Son of God? Come on now. <laughs> oh my gosh. And then you got Paul's family. Paul opted out of just being married. He opted out of the whole family thing altogether. He said, I'm not even doing this. So family is, you know, as is, is much as like we would like to be, everything looks, I just got back from the Bahamas. My wife earned a trip to the Bahamas. We went to the Bahamas through her company. And um, everything looks better on Instagram. Doesn't it? I mean, you look at people and they're like, well, they got it together. I, look up Kevin Wright, W-R-I-G-H-C. You're Kevin Wright, that's me. Look at my Instagram. I look like I got it all together. Praise God. He must, I like that guy. He's, he's got his family. My daughter's there. We're smiling. I mean, we don't, in the heat of the moment, when we're arguing with our spouse, hold on, babe, let's get this live on video so we can share it with the world. We don't do that, do we? You know, the, 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 um, <laughs> how much time do I have? Just a little bit more. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to give y'all the scripture. I'm going to end it with the scripture. Okay. It's, in, it's important to remember that no family, no church is perfect. It's about getting your family to look, or it's not about getting your family to look like some image or some image you saw on TV or social media. Because it's all smoke and mirrors because at the end of the day, we're not perfect. We're going to have our days. There are days when I walked in to preach, and I promise you I didn't feel like I had to preach to myself the righteousness of God in my life. I'm the righteousness of God. Because here's what the enemy want us to do, is to be sin conscious. There's a sin consciousness and just, it, he'll just kind of beat you down till you feel like you're not good enough. And if it wasn't for Jesus, I'm going to read you that scripture right now and then I'll come back to this. No, I'm not. I'm going to read you the scripture last. We have a tendency to look at our own problem-filled home and think the family across the street has it better. When reality, their problem is crazy too. They just mask it a little bit better than you do. Oh, I'm going, I'm going in, I'm going in right now. You ready? There is no such thing as a perfect church or perfect family. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be flawless. It doesn't have to be what you had it in, in your mind, what you thought it would be. You can't control it all. So I'll say this, if you have anything you want to write down, family is a gymnasium for love to work out in. Come on. You know, imagine, imagine you, you got your family and all of a sudden she, your child talks back to you and you got to work your love out. You're like, Jesus, I love her. I, oh God, help me. And someone cut you out in traffic. Jesus loves you. You work out your love because you know you want to go gangster on your family at times. 
I want to put an arm bar on my daughter sometime. And somehow, some reason between 18 and the early 20s, I actually, I bought a camper for my daughter to sleep in outside my home and make her pay rent on it. Another day I went to knock on the camper and I had this thought, could it be mm, Satan? Y'all remember that? Those Saturday Night Lives could it be mm, Satan? I mean, I, I, I felt when, when you knock on an 18, 19, 20 year old persons and you wake them up, you just woke the devil up. Anybody got one of those? So I'm in the process of showing her what it's, you want to be an adult? You got it. Pay my rent. <laughs> Pay my rent. But here's the deal. One of the biggest things that God told me about my daughter, I've kind of talked, I have to give her 20 bucks every time I talk about her. I've made that deal early on. So I owe her 20 bucks. Is that God told me one day you need to stop judging your daughter. I was so disappointed in her decisions and I was so mad. And he says, when are you going to stop judging her? And I, I mean, with the church, your people come off the street, never judge them one time. If, if, if they were um, prostitute, welcome, come on in. If they were gay, come on in, welcome. Welcome, welcome to grace. We, we'll love on you, get you born again. Amen? 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 In church, welcome everybody. But when it comes to my child... Who do you think you are? And the Lord told me one day, plain and simple, I wish I'd came up with a quote, but he used it through another man of God. He said, it's time to put down your magnifying glass and pick up your mirror. Come on, that's a slogan. You know, because we got this thing where we've got everybody under a microscope when we've got a mirror that said, we, let me tell you, if you stared at yourself long enough, there's a full-time job there. <laughs> I promise you. Amen. And I feel bad for the ministers because they, if they sneeze wrong, judgment. <laughs> They're going to hell in the handbasket. If they sneeze wrong. I have had people leave my church over the years. I'm, on, I'm, I'm about to land this, this message. I was, I've had people leave my church over the stupidest stuff, the smell. Or, I mean, I mean if you get to heaven, if you don't like the smell, oh, I, I'm, not, I'm not coming to this church because so-and-so goes there. Well, what happens when you get to heaven and you look across and you're like, how did they make it? You going you gonna opt out and go to hell? The Lord told me this: the ground is level at the foot of the cross. Come on! Now I'm gonna read that scripture because I didn't come here not to preach me. Here's the scripture: Ephesians chapter two. When y'all get there, say I got it. Y'all got a Bible around here? Open your iPads, iPhones, and your eyelids. Let's get it. And I'm going to read, maybe you won't like this translation, the NLT. I'll read it for you because most of my messages, I did this for the young people. So I like the, the NLT. But I'm a King James brain. 
But I was taught in Bible college that the New American Standard was the best one. And I like that one too. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 10, it says, Once you were under God's curse, doomed forever for your sins. If I can have the uh, keyboarder come up. That's how I know I'm ready to end. Amen. Thank you, young lady. Play something holy. <laughs> once, I'm going to go ahead and say once Passion Church was under God's curse, doomed forever for their sins. You went along with the crowd and you were just like all the others, full of sin, obeying Satan, the mighty prince and the power of the air who is at work right now in the hearts of those who are against the Lord. All of us used to be just as they are, our lives expressing the evil within us, doing every wicked thing that our passions or our evil thoughts might lead us into. We started out bad, being born with evil natures and were under God's anger like everyone else. Here's the key, here's the transition. But God, who is rich in mercy, he loved us so much then that even though we were spiritually dead and doomed by our sins, he gave us back our lives again when he raised Christ from the dead. Only by his undeserved favor have we ever been saved. And lifted us up from the grave into glory along with Christ, where we sit with him in heavenly realms. All because of what Christ Jesus did. And now God can always point us as examples of how very, very rich his kindness is. And is shown in all he has done for us through Jesus Christ. The Bible says we are seated in heavenly places. That, that there we are, we belong. And that God doesn't have a list, of, a list of wrongs. He doesn't keep a list of wrongs about us. I'll tell you who keeps a list of wrongs about us is we do. We have our little list and we're sin conscious, but the beautiful thing about the blood of Jesus, it cleanses us from all unrighteousness and he doesn't remember our sin against us anymore. That's the beautiful grace. That's the beautiful gospel. Aren't you glad for the gospel? I'll tell you, I know I have no, I'm in this ministry today and it's, it's obvious that Satan wants to eat it all up. But I'm looking at a church, beautiful church, loves Jesus and realize at this church, the chief cornerstone is Jesus Christ. Amen. I said the chief cornerstone is Jesus Christ. Amen. He was the only one that was not dysfunctional. Amen. A matter of fact, when the woman was called in the act of adultery, they said he, Jesus said, he that is without sin cast the first stone. And Lord showed me one day, there's only one person that could have threw the stone at the woman that had made a critical error. It was Jesus. And he never threw a stone. He never threw a stone. I want you to know right now, God loves you so very much. Even though your family is not what you thought it would be, even though it's been a mess. And maybe you're an Italian family and everybody's really loud. I have Italians in my family and they are very loud. And look, their arguing is different than mine. They're loud. 
But you know what? There's something about the mess that God loves us in. But he loves us enough not to keep us there. Amen? Would you bow your head for a moment? Maybe you haven't been in the family of God yet. Maybe you have your own family, but you've never given yourself to Jesus. You're not in that family yet. In a minute, I'm going to count to three. And I want to ask you personally right now, have you met Jesus? Are you in this family of God today? Have you received him into your life to allow the transformation to happen? It'll change your whole family, change your life. If you want Jesus to come into your life today and you want a relationship with him, not a religion, but a relationship, a person that will never walk out of your life, person that will never abuse you, person that will never lie to you, betray you, sticks closer than a brother. If you want that Jesus to come into your life, when I say three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Raise your hand. I see 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 your hands all over the building. People ready, people ready to be a part of this family of God. Would y'all just say this prayer with those people who raised their hand? Say, Jesus, I believe that you died on a cross for my sins. I believe you rose again from the dead to make me righteous. So today, I receive forgiveness of all my sins, all my dysfunctions, and I confess you as my Lord right now. I give you my life in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said amen. Give the Lord a hand clap for that. And I want to say this as we wrap things up. I want to speak a blessing over your family. Would you just lift your hands? I want to speak a blessing over this church. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Hallelujah. I say right now over this church and over your family, your family is blessed. I call your family blessed. I call your family healed. Every broken part of your family, the brokenness, the hurt, the pain, I call it healed. I call your children on fire for Jesus. We call those things that be not as though they were. I call your children blessed. I call your finances blessed. I call Passion Church blessed. I say over this ministry, no weapon formed against this ministry will prosper. No weapon formed against your family will prosper. In the name of Jesus, I say there is no quit in this church. There is no quit in your family. There is no quit in your relationships. I call you wise that the wisdom of God comes and gets in every area of your family. 
I say wisdom. We ask for it, we believe for it, and we take in the wisdom of God right now. In the name of Jesus, you have wisdom. You have answers for every single problem. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. God loves you just as much as he loved Jesus. So today, right now, we let it go. Say this after me. Say, Jesus, I forgive anyone that's ever hurt me. Anyone that's ever abused me. Anyone that's ever failed me. Anybody that's ever walked out of my life. I forgive them. I let them go. In the name of Jesus, my heart is healed from the inside out. Today I am free. Come on, somebody say, today I am free. I'm free. I forgive my father. I forgive my real dad. I forgive that cousin. I forgive that sister. I, I forgive anyone that's ever disappointed me in the name of Jesus. Jesus, there's, there's right now, it's happening. There's healing happening right now. This is a pivotal moment in your life. It's the operating room right now, it's happening. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord, that long lost child. Come back, come home in the name of Jesus. Satan, you cannot have our children. In the name of Jesus, we plead the blood of Jesus over our kids. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. I worship you and I praise you for this moment. I thank you, Lord, we'll never be the same in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. amen. Well, did y'all get anything out of the word today? Yeah.